This podcast is published by MDA National to support doctors in managing common medico-legal issues. Hello, it's Norman Swan here. Welcome to another podcast where MDA National doctor members and expert staff share medical legal pearls of wisdom, practical tips and interesting case studies. Today I'm talking to MDA National Medical Legal Advisor and practicing GP, Dr. Jane Deacon, on the dangers of treating yourself, your employees or your family. Jane has been a medical practitioner for many years and has worked for MDA National for 11 of those while continuing part-time in general practice. What are the issues here you know, when, you start, when you're talking about treating family, friends, staff, yourself? Why shouldn't you do it? It seems like an obvious question, but why shouldn't you do it? The broad reason is that you can't provide good medical care to someone with whom you have a close relationship because you're not objective with your treatment, with your assessment, with your history taking. It's not unusual for family members of doctors to ask for some medical treatment, to ask for a script or whatever. But often the doctor doesn't take a full history. They may be reluctant or embarrassed to ask the kind of intimate and sensitive questions that they would ask of a patient in their consulting room. Often an examination doesn't take place, or if it does, it's a bit of a cursory examination because you're not going to do a full examination of your mother or family member if it involves you know, intimate examination. So there are difficulties with that. And often the doctor doesn't take adequate notes because it often occurs in a social setting. You know, you're at a barbecue and your sister asks you for a repeat script for the pill and you, that seems straightforward enough. But if you saw someone in your rooms with that request, you'd take their blood pressure, you'd ask about when they had last had a pap smear, you'd ask possibly about whether they wanted chlamydia screening, all things that you're not going to do for your sister at a barbecue. Have you seen legal cases arising because of people looking, you know, doctors looking after people they shouldn't be? Oh, yes. It's not uncommon. We get complaints from family members and that complaint can arise either because the family relationship has soured and that can be in the case of a divorce and then the divorced spouse who's been receiving treatment from their doctor spouse complains to the medical board. We've also seen cases where the treatment provided has been inappropriate and has led to some complications or difficulties. So this is like with a staff member or a friend, they've crossed the line. Well, uh, and with family members, there's been a number of coronials where the doctor's been providing inappropriate care to their spouse uh, and there's been drug overdoses. There was another case where a doctor provided treatment to their mother, I think, and there was a bad outcome and another family member complained about that doctor. So you're not immune. The, the family members, if they get angry, can take things further and you get a breakdown of relationships. Absolutely. And, and then for the doctor, they're going to be in trouble because of their medical treatment, but also there's a huge rift in the family, which is not good for the doctor. And claims that arise from treatment from immediate family members are not covered under the policy with MDA. So give us some examples. Um, you, you've alluded to some, but can you know, be more specific so that you get a sense of really how things can go pear-shaped? We had one where there were two doctors married to each other and then we were in the process of a very nasty divorce and one doctor referred the other doctor to the medical board for the treatment that they'd been receiving uh, and then the couple became reconciled and the one who'd put in the complaint 
tried to get the complaint back from the medical board, but once the medical board has got a complaint, they run with it. So the doctor had been providing some medication and, of course, there were no, no records of the medication provided. They'd never examined their spouse properly. So the care that they'd been providing was, was not appropriate. What, I mean, it sometimes feels fairly benign. You know, a family member says, you know, I can't go and see my own GP and I need a referral or, you know, a repeat referral to the specialist I've been seeing for over a year. Is that okay? Look, it's not a black and white thing, but uh, you do need to be careful with providing medical care. In that situation, if there is some compelling reason why the patient uh, can't get a referral from their normal doctor, then I suppose in that case you might want to provide the referral, but note, please direct all correspondence to you know, the treating GP, because the other thing you want to avoid is fragmenting care. Is that specialist then writes back to you as the family member, the GP who should be treating the patient may be missing out on important information. What about an emergency? In an emergency, you can provide medical care. Yes, of course. So if you're the only one there and uh, a family member sustains a serious injury, then of course you provide whatever care is needed at the time until you can hand over to the next doctor. The medical board always refers to or often refers to good medical practice, a code of conduct for doctors in Australia. And they state there, whenever possible, avoid providing medical care to anyone with whom you have a close personal relationship. In most cases, providing care to close friends, those you work with and family members is inappropriate because of lack of objectivity, possible discontinuity of care and risks to the doctor and patient. They go on to say that providing care sometimes may be unavoidable and when this happens it requires recognition and careful management and look I think that really sums it up certainly seen a lot of cases probably more so where providing medical care to staff members that can go very wrong can you give me an example one example is uh was a young doctor who started seeing a staff member and the staff member had a workers comp injury and then the supervisor got involved and thought that the registrar was giving the staff member too much time off work. So then the registrar was feeling torn between their responsibility as a, a doctor, what they felt they should do for the patient, and their employer, who wanted the person back at work as soon as possible. And the employer being the medical centre. Yes. So the, their supervisor, the practice owner, wanted the staff member back at work. So it's an impossible situation. Well, a very difficult situation. Um, we had another situation where there was a staff member who was quite fond of strong painkillers. And so when a new registrar came to the practice, the staff member would always make an appointment with the new registrar and ask for some more, I can't remember if it was oxycodone or whatever. So the young registrar felt, again, compelled to provide the script, they couldn't be objective in the same way they could be if it was a regular patient just in off the street because they were thinking they would have to work with that receptionist and they didn't want to upset the receptionist because they were just new in the workplace and trying to get along with everyone. So uh, that's an example where you really can't be objective and do the job that you can because you've got those other considerations going on. It must be difficult sometimes in a small country town where you're the only practice. 
Yes, and I do talk with doctors in country areas because it is a special difficulty. And if the community is very small, they may have some sort of relationship with a lot of their patients. Um, And in my experience, a lot of those doctors are aware of the issues and they put some quite uh, stringent boundaries around what happens. So, for instance, a doctor told me that he makes it a rule never to discuss medical care with anyone except in his room. So if someone, a friend or whatever, approaches him in the supermarket to say, you know, those pills you gave me, doc, they're not agreeing with me, he says, fine, make an appointment and come and talk to me at the surgery. And so he he keeps the boundaries that way. But but doesn't the same situation arise where you've got to treat people that you know quite well? You might have to do a vaginal examination on them or a rectal or ask them about their sexual history. Doesn't the same situation arise? And how do they deal with it? Well, I guess they have to take it on a case-by-case basis. And if they have, if their receptionist, for instance, needs a pap smear, they might both decide that that's too uncomfortable and that he's going to provide some medical care. But You might have to go to the next town to see somebody for that that sort of stuff. So that's something that those doctors have to uh, negotiate. And it isn't always easy for them, especially if they're the only doctor in town. Now, let's get on to the other issue, which, uh, you know, doctors love treating themselves and not enough have their own GP. Tell me why a a medical defence organisation is worried about self-care. The medical board frowns on doctors providing care for themselves. They believe that good medical practice involves doctors having their own doctor and seeking treatment from them when they need it. And I've seen quite a few examples of where people start treating themselves and then things just get a bit out of hand and then it's coming to the attention of the medical board. So what, for mental health issues or drug and alcohol or what? Any of those mental health issues, particularly the board's view of someone treating their own mental health issues would be that they lack insight and it's not appropriate. And doctors can easily run into problems with over treating with analgesics. So we see that uh, doctors, because it's so easy to write your own prescription. What about choosing, let's say you're a GP and presumably given our conversation we just had, you shouldn't be choosing one of your partners in the practice to be your GP. Look, that's not a good idea for a number of reasons. Again, I've seen this go bad. We had one case where the doctor was seeing another doctor in the same practice Uh, for treatment of their whatever, I can't remember what it was. And the doctor was asking for medication, which was a bit inappropriate, but his colleague felt that he would provide that script. The first doctor then came to the attention of the medical board. The medical board asked for a copy of the records. They were rather sketchy, as they often are when you're treating a colleague in the practice. And because the prescriptions had been provided inappropriately, that second doctor then became the subject of an ARPRA investigation. So you've got to find somebody. So it's when you're looking for somebody, you shouldn't be asking, if you're not going to be treating a staff member, you shouldn't be asking for that sort of relationship for yourself. No, not at all. But look, I am sympathetic to the difficulties that doctors face. It's so easy when you're you know, at the practice and you might be having a cup of tea with someone, you say, oh, I've got a bit of a shoulder thing going on here. I think I'll just get myself an ultrasound and I've started on some anti-inflammatories. So you're sort of half self-treating, half asking your colleague what they think. And it's really not 
good practice, someone should really sit down and examine your shoulder properly and determine if it's appropriate for you to have anti-inflammatories. But look, it's really hard to, to be a patient. It's hard to choose a doctor hard to find the time. And uh, and the importance of having a GP, I mean, one of the things that doctors do is they don't use a GP and they refer themselves to specialists. It's not as if they're treating themselves, but they're self-referring. They are. And I think that's um, risking fragmentation of care. You know, the GP should be the coordinator of your health and aware of all the things that are, are happening for you so that they can coordinate what's going on and work out is that referral appropriate? Have all the necessary investigations been done prior to referral? Uh, you know, the doctor ideally should have had an examination and a treatment plan by the, their GP. So by bypassing that step, things may not be ideal. And, and of course, you shouldn't be prescribing for yourself, but there's different legislation in different states, isn't there? there that's correct. And in some states, in Victoria, you are not allowed to prescribe for yourself. What about being a doctor looking after a doctor it's a bit could be a bit of a nightmare well it it can be a bit awkward the doctor's health advisory service in each state is working on a list of uh, doctors who are comfortable and interested in seeing their uh, colleagues as patients and there is talk of some additional training for doctors who want to take on that role which I think is is a very good idea I mean I've had the experience where I've been to the doctor and they say well you can write your own script for that can't you and I would have been more comfortable if they had written the script, but you feel a bit awkward saying, well, no, I think you should write it because you're the doctor and I'm the patient. So there is that, that blurring of roles and the treating doctor should try and treat their colleague as much as possible like a regular but well-educated patient. So bottom line then? Bottom line, all doctors should have their own treating doctor, someone independent, that's not in the same practice, not their best friend from medical school, to provide objective professional medical care. And as a doctor, don't treat family, friends or staff. No, definitely not. But having said that, I would say that doctors often are under pressure from their family. Uh, they think, you know, we've supported you through medical school and now we want a bit of payback and we want you to treat us. And I have talked to a number of doctors about that situation. So there are some ways that doctors can support their family members through the medical system without being their treating doctor, such as going along to medical appointments with your patient. Perhaps if you're a family member, uh, you might think who you think is the most appropriate specialist and you might suggest that to the treating doctor. But I think providing explanation, support, going with them to appointments are all useful things that you can do as a doctor without being the treating doctor. And if in doubt, you can always phone the MDA for some advice. Absolutely. And we do take a number of calls uh, from doctors. Either they're about to get into strife with treating someone or they're already in strife with treating someone. So as they say, prevention is better than cure. Don't get into it in the first place. Yes, that's right. Jane, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. Here to support you, visit MDA National's website at mdanational.com.au or call 1-800-011-255 for tailored advice specific to your situation, career stage or policy.